Young and Drum Podcast. I'm RJ Young. He's Brandon Drum. Brandon, how you doing, man? Uh, better. Good. Good. Better. Good. We yeah. like better. Yesterday was rough. On a number of fronts, I'm sure. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, health was not my friend yesterday. So, but it's better today. So everything's all good. So the bye week is over, and we are two days. Uh, as of the taping of this podcast from Oklahoma, Iowa State, which is a 7 o'clock kick on Big Fox. And the College Football Playoff Selection Committee's rankings are out. And Mm -hmm. everybody's pissed about Georgia being at number 6, which I understand. But they wouldn't like the way that I ranked them anyway. What did you think about OU being at 9? That, well... I didn't mind the nine except for the Georgia. You're right. That the Georgia thing is, and I'm sitting here and I'm watching Barton Simmons and Colin and all these guys on the two, four, seven, their live show before you and I get on. So uh, I'm watching that and listening to what they're saying. And they're saying the exact same thing. We're all saying is how does that work? Like you obviously put and you basically just nullified a loss to a sub 500 team um, and then at the same time, how they ranked Baylor was really confusing because Baylor has wins on the road by almost three touchdowns against two top 25 teams, according to college football playoffs. So how they rank things, I don't get it at all. Um, it's really confusing. I mean, Baylor should be a top 10 team at the least if they're going to go out, if they're going to use the exact same metric they use for Georgia that they're using for Baylor. That I mean, that's honest, and Baylor's undefeated. Oklahoma's alone loss is to the number 16 team in the country. Baylor's is to the number 80th. I don't know where South Carolina's ranked. They're not in the top 25, I can guarantee you that, because they're not even a 500 team. So this the ranking was really confusing. Uh, the one thing we do know is that they didn't put as much credence in uh, LSU's wins as first thought because everybody thought they would be number one. They liked Ohio State's schedule better. Um, And the other thing we know is that if Alabama loses to LSU, they're likely not going to get into the college football playoffs. I mean, that's what we do know. We know that Oklahoma has a chance to win their way back in. It may be a 30%, 40% chance, but they have a chance. The Alabama losing against LSU this weekend – would not be good because their schedule has been that bad. They don't have a lot of chances coming up. Their best chance would be obviously Auburn, but then they're not going to make it to the SEC title game. And that's going to hurt, especially if Oklahoma is playing another top 15 team in the uh, Big 12 title game. So all this stuff comes in. And then you got Clemson, who they've gotten, you know, kind of scorned for their scheduling. And I know it's not their fault. Their conference is just bad. But at the same time, Say they go off and they lose to South Carolina, there's no way they're getting in. I mean, there's a lot lot in play here. Obviously, there's a lot left. There's a month and change left in the season. So there's going to be a lot of changing going on here in the top four. It's going to be a fun ride. Eh. I don't know. I mean, there's going to be a lot of changing if for no other reason than Ohio State has to play Penn State and LSU and Alabama got to play each other. I mean, that's why there's going to be a lot of changing. But to the point about Georgia – and them being ranked at six and Oklahoma at nine, and you're going, okay, eye test, which makes you want to gouge out my eyes. But I also think that if you want to rank them based on what they've done so far, 
You're going to give Georgia a lot of credit for beating up on a Notre Dame team that got beat by 31 against Michigan, and Michigan got beat like they stole something against Wisconsin, and Wisconsin yep. looked utterly hapless against Ohio State. So that one, I think, is going to stick in the craw of a lot of people, but the nice thing about it is, you know, that'll probably change next week. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Utah and Oregon is a problem at 7-8 and eight because even if Utah and Oregon end up in the Pac-12 title game, that would the win if either one of them won it would only give them two ranked team wins. Right, and one with three or four. And yeah. Alabama, the vaunted Alabama, has never gotten into the playoff with, with without at least three ranked wins in any of the five playoffs. And they're you know they're the most frequent member. They've been to every single one. Yep. And this year, that's what it's about. Oklahoma would have at a minimum three wins against ranked opponents in Texas. You beat up on uh, Oklahoma State and Baylor. They helped you by ranking Baylor. Like, that was the real thing here. They, they helped, helped by you. ranking Oklahoma State, too. That was a big deal. Oh, excuse me. Uh, I meant Oklahoma State. They helped you yeah, by ranking Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. No, yeah, I agree. And 100%. then Kansas State is ranked on the strength of beating Oklahoma. And you might end up getting Baylor or Kansas State in the Big 12 title game. So you would have four if you run the table. So that resume would be better than the ones that Oregon and Utah would put together, which means the Pac-12 be on the outs looking in. But – Turn the punch bowl for me isn't isn't Georgia. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if Georgia wins the SEC championship, they're in. Like everybody would put them in, even with one, with the right. one loss. Same thing with uh, the turn the punch bowl is LSU because if they lose to Alabama, but they finish the season with one loss, even they could be the they could be the Alabama of 2017 they where could. they get in with a without having even won the division. And then uh, there's that somebody on aspect our board. Of it, hey, let uh, me ask you this real quick. Let me ask you, because I want you to finish, because I think this goes into what you're about to say, but somebody on our board said something pretty interesting. Um, it may not have been our board, it may have been Twitter, I don't remember. But it, somebody said, the ranking of number two LSU ahead of or behind Ohio State, they said that they liked that more than anything because that gave them the um, feeling that even though LSU might lose in the SEC title game or – to Alabama or to anybody else that that told them that maybe their resume isn't as ballyhooed to the committee as once thought, and they could be knocked out with a loss. Um, do you buy that? No. Okay. Because it gets to my point about how rankings work and how the perception of who you played works. Because the mm-hmm. the reason that Minnesota is ranked 17 at 8-0 in a Power 5 conference is because they happen to play a schedule that people call weak, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. not in your control how good your opponent is in nine or ten games a year, right? You you have the game that you have. And I say nine or ten because games like OU-UCLA are scheduled ten years in advance. Same thing with LSU and Texas. And, you know, when OU plays Georgia in 2023, who knows who's going to be good and who's not. So, But there's a couple of those games that you get to pick that probably didn't pick somebody who's going to be good. But I tend to believe that Minnesota's non-conference schedule is actually pretty stout because South Dakota State could win a national championship this year. Georgia Southern just beat Appalachian State, and they were decent to begin with, and everybody knows that Fresno State ain't no easy win. And you don't really right. get you don't get credit for beating them because people think you should, and yet all Fresno State does is go 8-5, and 9-3 every single year. So there's that. But I, I get pissy because if Minnesota – Beats Penn State this weekend. They probably don't crack the top 10, right? Even as Penn, as Penn State is the number four team in the country. And 
let's let's make it trippy. Let's say Ohio State loses to Penn State, doesn't play in the Big Ten championship game, and Minnesota wins the Big Ten championship. Who gets in from the Big Ten? Um, it's a good question. So uh, I, you're you're asking if Ohio State? Okay, reset that scenario for me one more time. Ohio State loses to Penn State. Okay. Minnesota Penn State loses to Minnesota. No. Uh, yes okay. or yes, sure. However, it works. Minnesota ends up in the big as the Big Ten champ, right? If they do it with a loss, that makes it easier to to swallow. But let's say they go undefeated. Yeah. Let's say they beat up on Penn State and Wisconsin. And they beat whomever. You have to have them in there if they beat all those guys. Well, the only team to get in there that far that that far back was Ohio State in 2015 when they started out ranked. OU was 16th. OU was 15th. OU yes, was 15th. but they didn't. But they didn't win. They didn't win it, and they were 15th. They weren't 16th. My point is, Ohio yeah. State was 16th, and this would be the team starting out 17th. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. The Correct. difference is people still believed in Urban Meyer. And, and Tom Herman had put together a pretty outstanding offense, even and with it's going Ohio through State. three different uh, going through three different quarterbacks. And that's the other part about that that really pisses me off is that you say and it's Ohio State, like and people mm-hmm. say and it's Oklahoma. It's like you know what, friggin' Baylor's undefeated. All right, Minnesota's I'm undefeated. Not, I'm not disputing that. I'm actually on your side on this. I I, I, agree. I get that, but I'm saying you said it. You said and it's Ohio State. I know, but I'm just going off national perception. Yeah. We, I well, yeah. I mean, we're we're free thinkers, dude. And that's yeah. that's my point. And then I think that the 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 chaos begins if Ohio State loses. I don't think the chaos really begins until then. And if Ohio Ohio State runs the table, cool. That that makes it easy, kind of like Clemson. You just nope. That's you're clearing away number one. And we all expect right. them to like. I expect Ohio State to win a national championship this year. I just I just do. Everybody they match up with. I see a monster on on the defense, and I saw I see a back end. Like we're in the Jim Thorpe Award selection committee process, trying to narrow down the semifinalists. Right? Mm-hmm. We That'd argued. Be we, well, we argued about him and and Brandon Fuller. You know, and that's yeah. You know, th- those so that's two right. And Fuller plays the bullet position, which is basically nickel, which is the toughest position to play in the secondary. And then you're talking about Chase Young who we all acknowledge is a monster, but they got monsters all over that defensive line, and Larry Johnson Sr. just keeps turning them out. And then we have this thing where people want to say, you know, Chase Young should win the Heisman, but mm-hmm. J.K. Dobbins has been second, third best running back in the country all year, and Justin Fields is putting together a Trevor Lawrence kind of season. The one that Trevor Lawrence right. had last year, Justin Fields is having this year. So I'm going, where do you and then wide receiver, they just match up. They're not they're not as good as Alabama or Oklahoma, but they're good enough to beat you. You know, I mean, right. and, and that and the yep. thing about LSU is I I want to see what they're able to do when it comes to the RPOs that Tua's gotta run with Jerry Judy in the slot, because I think if you can't take away those slants with Jacob Phillips and Kavlon Chasen, you're gonna have a long day. But even so, Derek Stingley, for me, me personally, that's the best defensive back in the country. Just period. Oh, you think Stingley is the best in the country? I think Stingley is the best defensive back in the country. Wow. But I was, you know, I'm outvoted. You know? No, I mean, I'm, I'm outvoted. I, I That's, think he has the highest upside. I don't know that he is playing the best, but yeah, he yo, definitely has the highest upside. Yo, man. I would, I would have 100%. I've seen the guy live plenty of times <laughs> that I, what, I, uh, well, I mean, would but agree. I'm just talking about when he matched up against Colin Johnson, Colin Johnson got nothing. 
Against Florida, uh-huh. he had a pick in the end zone. Against Auburn, he did a 360-degree turn off a backpedal, spotted the ball, and still swapped it out of Seth Williams' hands. Like, I just— Yeah, he's a freak. You know, and I and I get it. I get that there are wide receivers that are like, no, nah, I got Derek Stingley. It's like, yeah, well, you're a wide receiver. You should win 8 out of 10 every single time. The but fact how would that he this, do against? How would he do against? Uh, we're gonna know. I think. I think to your point, we're gonna know exactly how good he is this weekend. And if, say, he went up against a CD Lamb in the playoffs or something like that, you would know how good he is. Well, I mean, but that's the other thing. Like CD, because had, those aren't Colin Johnson isn't no, somebody but, I think but of as an elite receiver. See, and that's the thing though. When you talk about elite receivers, I'm not so sure how we grade them as correct now. Because CD had 110 yards receiving against Alabama, right, in a, in a in a loss, in a lopsided loss. But you're going, yo, he he cooked Patrick Sertain. I'm going, okay, the guy's playing corner. Don't know where the wide receiver's going. They don't know when the place is going to be snapped. They don't know what they're supposed to be doing. They just know that they got to stick to this guy in front of them. Mm-hmm. And I put more of an emphasis on what does the defensive back do on this play than I do on what does the wide receiver do on this play. So to say, how do they match up against CD? I'm saying, okay, does CD make 90% of his catches on a defensive back? Because that's the he only does. way to gra- – well, no, 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 you do, you're guessing. You don't know. I mean, that night he did. He was – I mean, there were jump balls a lot of the times he was coming down with them. Well, I mean, and that's the other part, right? So jump ball to whom and to where? Because if it's a jump ball, it's not like a tip-off in the NBA where you get to, get to jump at the referee's whistle. The ball is being right. thrown to a person. Now, the fact that that ball no, is, is I, thrown I get, into a 50-50 spot does not really mean that the defensive back has the same opportunity to catch it as the wide receiver. And so I'm saying, all I'm saying is, I think that Stingley is better than any other defensive back in the country, but would that make him better than an above-average wide receiver who knows what he's doing? And I'm going, you got it's like offense versus defense is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Offenses have all the advantages, and I don't think we always do a good job of adjusting for those advantages when it comes to grading out players. That's all. So here's 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 how I look at a DB. And I, this is why I've always been kind of still on the Parnell Motley bandwagon a little bit. Because he's always there. <laughs> I mean, he but, is. But, he's they're, never, like, but they're all burnt. always there. The ones that That's are good. Not, well, no, 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 no. The no. ones that are good are all always there. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, then you're helping me out here. Okay. And, and what I'm saying is, is that I think that at DB, if they were good, they are always going to be there. And people that say that, well, they got beat on a catch here or they did this. Yes, like to your point, the offense has the advantage on this. A receiver is usually three or four inches taller than the DB. So the odds of them coming down with the ball are greater than the DB coming down with the ball. That is always going to be the case. So I'm going um, to – So what I'm saying I wanna is, ask is that – you, I want to ask you another question after the break about that because I think okay. I think I know where you're headed. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Let's take a break. All right, B. So the thing that I, I wanted to ask about where I thought you were going was usually we say that defensive backs are playing defensive back because they can't catch. So you're getting at ball skills. You're getting at how good are you 
at yeah. catching the ball. Not when the ball's in the air, what do you do? Can you bat it or whatever? How good are you at getting your hands on the ball and coming down with the ball? And how does that yeah, factor not- into what you're supposed to be doing as a defensive back? A little, but I mean, if you if you bat down the ball on a CD Lamb, uh, you won, I think, because that man comes down. He's got he's got hands of steel, um, he, vice grips basically, and he's gonna come down with. It. I mean, you watched even as a freshman, for an example, on a DeAndre Baker, uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs, was considered one of the best defensive backs in the country in 2017. Ooh. Right, he was a first round pick. Yeah, well, yes, he was. A, I know that, and I know he was the only defensive back taken in the first round. I also know he won the Jim Thorpe Award, but I'm trying to be sure about this because this is one of my guys. I know that he hadn't given up a touchdown pass since 2016 in the Liberty Bowl against TCU. I know that. Okay. So, but when we say when you asked about like is he the is he the, he was a three star kid coming out of high school who had to wait his turn. So like that's that's why I was. Him and yeah, no, so I guess my point is that uh, the Rose Bowl, okay. Oklahoma's yeah. struggling. Yeah. Mayfield throws the ball up. It's a 50-50 ball. CeeDee Lamb's a freshman, and he pulls the ball away from Baker. Is that a bad play on Baker? No. CeeDee Lamb's that good. He's got mid, He's got freaking vice grips for hands, and he's strong. He was even strong as a freshman. He didn't look it, but he was. Again, we're measuring wide receivers against defensive backs. When I, I, well, I'm trying to get to my point here is that he was there. Okay, so a lot of a lot of DBs that aren't there or that are there, sometimes they don't even make plays on the ball. Well, I mean, you were and a so good DB does. We, that's where we, I get with we the got Farnham here from. Deal. We got here from Derek Stingley though. We got here from right. Derek and that's Stingley. why I think Derek Stingley's really good because he makes plays on the ball. Yeah, yes, but he you're not you're not prepared to it. say that he's the best. So like you were fighting me on that, and I wanted to know where no, you're going. No, no, I just no, 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 no. Well, I'm, the reason why is because he's a freshman. I just think that I want to see him against a guy like that. Like no, if he's no, there, I mean, d- on his wait, CD wait a second. Is Van Jefferson not not that good? Van Jefferson's good. Okay, Colin Johnson, Devin Duvernay, they're not that good. Are they? I would say Van Jefferson's closer to CD than those. Well, two I mean, people. that's the other thing. You're going to get to see it this weekend when he matches up against Judy or Ruggs or Devontae Smith. I, I said we're going to know exactly how good he really is. B- but weekend. my point here has been targets, right? Like when I watch, mm-hmm. when I look at the statistics on targets and I watch him play, the number of passes that guys come down with is not nearly as high as it is for the average. And even when he gets beat, and he does get beat, they all get beat. He's able to come back from it in the way that you want a quarterback to, because like he's yeah. getting beat up on on against Florida. He was getting eight, dementia. and then yeah. he has that big pick in the end zone of Kyle Trask. So like I just that was where I was going with it. Uh, but let, let's talk about let's talk about the OU Iowa State game here for a minute because I feel okay. like we just been doing yeah we this. totally digressed there for right. a second, but that's fine. Um, all right, so. We both agree that Iowa State is a very good football team. They're five they and three, are. but they're they're still very good. Mm-hmm. Where do you see an advantage for Iowa State? Mm. Mm. Trying to think, probably the outside. Um, they always have good receivers. So, like Deshante um, Jones. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't know how big of an advantage it is. I just think that Oklahoma. As a whole, I'm 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 still clinging on that the K State game was an outlier, and we're going to really find out exactly how big of an outlier it was this weekend. 
um, because I think case Iowa State is very similar in how they do things. And I, I equated it like this on the board, um, especially defensively. Um, defensively, Iowa State is very – their defense is very much like the K-State offense where they are going to do things that are different. Um, other people try to replicate it, but they can't. Yeah, Riley spoke Iowa to State, that. Huh? Riley spoke to that. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, well, I mean, I wrote, yeah, I wrote about this the other day in my little post-practice deal. I just think that they do. They dip, People try to replicate it, but they can't do it because they're not as efficient. They're not as good. And that's what Iowa State does. It's, it's, it's their base defense. So I think – and they've given Oklahoma fits sometimes, um, especially in 2017. Oklahoma got better with it in 2018. We're going to see how much better they got at it in 2019. So if you can do, back, do it back-to-back years – what they did down there and up there in Ames last year. And granted, they even held up, I think it was 38 points. You hold Oklahoma to 38, you're doing pretty good. So I still think Iowa State did a really good job defensively. Um, they're going to cause problems. You said, I think every defense coordinator. Yeah, John just, Heacock is a man. He just yeah. threw up in his mouth 38 points. Yeah, I know, but it's Oklahoma. They're averaging 49 a game. So Yeah, well, they were averaging 50. Yeah. So, I mean, the point being is, is that if they can hold Oklahoma in the 30s, they're really, really, especially at home. I think that's going to make Oklahoma fans a little irritated, number one, uh, because they expect Oklahoma to be in the 40s. Uh, so uh, I do. I think it's going to be one of those deals where either Oklahoma is going to come out on fire or it's going to be a one, two touchdown game going into the fourth quarter. And it's a coin flip to see how this, this game ends up. So. Uh, it's going to be intriguing to see how – so uh, you expect Oklahoma fans to be a little rowdy, but I I don't know. They think it's Iowa State. A lot of people still have that in their head. It's Iowa State. This Iowa State team's really good. If you don't – if Oklahoma State OU fans aren't in on it, then – I mean, and I know they don't play the game, but they are part of the ball game. So you either are going to make the crowd rowdy and harder for – uh, the Iowa State offense, or you're going to sit back on your hands and not do anything, and it'll look a lot like 2017, and that's not what you want because Oklahoma had a 31-14 lead going into halftime. They they goose-egged Oklahoma in the second half in 2017, and they're liable to do that again. They're that good. No, they're not. You don't think so? <sighs> The advantage for Iowa State offensively is Charlie Kolar because – Yeah, and Char- ironically. Because Charlie – yes, he's from Norman. We Yes, <laughs> cool, fine. I mean, so was, you know, Greg – or George Kittle. So, like, are we doing that? Yeah. Do we, do we need to do that tangent? Do we – because I'm all for making people upset, but, like, yeah. do, do you want to do that? You, no. Okay. I'm just, Kittle was on staff, too. That makes him – anyways, go ahead. See, I didn't do it. You did it. Yeah. And I'm – hey, look, it's – Aren't I supposed to be the homer? Isn't that the way that this this show's built? Go right. ahead, do your thing. You no, do your thing. Uh, no, I'm just saying though. Like, it feels like I'm the dude that's like going, calm down, Brandon. CD's not, you know, otherworldly. And you're like, RJ, have you been watching? And somehow I get branded as the homer. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I'm just pointing it out. CD CD is otherworldly though. We've watched them. I mean, I think he is, but that's my opinion. I, I mean, he's amazing. I, like I said, that 
He's very, Anyways, very, very go good. He's very, very, very good. He ain't Calvin Johnson. And nobody uh, needs to be. Nobody needs to be. Yet. Nobody needs no, to be. Don't. That's that's my point. Nobody needs to be. And what he did uh, late against Kansas State, he's the only dude that could do it. Okay? Um, that's fair. So, like, that's, that's, that is my tip of the cap to, to CD. Especially after the Texas game where he he – didn't even we haven't even seen his final form, but I'm pretty sure he went Super Saiyan Blue. <laughs> Point though is Charlie Kohler is a matchup problem, and not just a matchup problem. You don't have anybody that matches up with him. Like I get Deshante Jones at wideout has the most catches, and he's going to be open. But the more you go through Oklahoma, the more you say Buki's too small. Uh, Delaren can't be trusted to keep up. Pat is going to have to, but Pat's also the guy that you need over the top, which means that Buki's to die. You're not going to have Kenneth Murray Jr. doing that. You're going to have him watching Brees Hall coming out of the backfield. You can't have Deshaun White doing it because he's going to have to watch Brock Purdy because you don't want to give him a completely clean pocket and clean look to take off with. You don't have anybody. Like, this is the thing that Oklahoma usually is able to do with other people. You don't have anybody that matches up with Lee Morris or Grant Calcaterra or Jeremiah Hall. So I just... I I think that if I'm game planning the offense, mm-hmm. I'm definitely going Charlie. Prepare to get 15 targets today, because I'm just gonna make everybody back off, and I'm gonna make Grinch come up with something to 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 counter. Because that's my beater. You know, if I want to hand the ball to Brees Hall, fine. If I want to throw the ball to Shante Jones, fine. And I, this is the part where I also say. Yes, he's had more attempts, but Brock Purdy's also thrown for more yards than Jalen Hurts, so he should have more yards with more attempts. Point is, they're going to throw the ball, and Oklahoma is a liability through the middle of the field when you throw the ball. And that's assuming Mm. Trey Brown and Jaden Davis and Parnell Motley all show up to work because Parnell got himself tossed with his Mortal Kombat move on the sideline. Jaden Davis actually played like a freshman, and Trey Brown got worked on third and long. So, like, if I'm Iowa State, yes, I'm throwing the ball, and I think I can cook the secondary. That is where I want to see whether or not Grinch and Manny have something because they're the first guys we want to look to and say, hey, they're get figuring it out, but isn't Grinch the safeties coach? Does that, does that, okay, do they, do they uh, max protect like K-State did? Um, they I mean, did, that, so you'll remember they did that with Zeb Nolan at quarterback last year, yeah, and, and did. what happened? They, he, he threw for 360, and Hakeem Butler yep. turned it into his – his draft me in the second round so, highlight mean, room. Yeah, you know. I mean, as long as they have time, I could see that being a big yeah, but, issue. But but the, they're gonna have time because you're gonna rush four. You're not rushing five, and the fifth that you bring, they're gonna be able to pick up. Right, it's either Murray, uh, White, or Fields. How often Correct. is it yell? Not very often. Yeah, and how often is it a corner? Not very often. I don't think it's been a corner at all this year. I don't think there's a corner blitz in this playbook. I no, I think I do remember seeing. Um, was it Jaden Davis blitz? Maybe no, blitz? no. I think he had the flat. And then it was because because you remember blitz, like we we were talking about this last week when we were saying what did Jaden Davis see that made him hesitate and get him lost in no man's land? And you're yeah, like, did you go back and watch it? Yeah, he's playing cover too, but I'm saying that he he's not he's supposed to be backing off and something's coming his way. He comes down. And I think the what you're referring to as a blitz is him just coming down because he saw it. No, no, no. I don't. I don't think they blitz. Uh, I don't remember seeing one against K State, but I no, no. I, I mean, feel just like I've in, seen one this year. No, I'm and I'm saying okay. 
I'm saying I one. don't think you saw one. I don't think I've seen I don't think I've seen more than one, but I think I've seen one this and, year. And I'm saying I think that was a cover two call that okay that that Jaden. So he just decided to do right. exactly. He went rogue. <laughs> not not necessarily going rogue, but like if you know that they're throwing the ball out to the flat or wherever, you know, and you see their quarterback that is coming your way. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, so, I get your so, saying. Yeah, yeah so I'm not out, saying yeah. that I don't I don't want to say that the kid went off the script. I I do want to say that his instincts were correct. I just don't think that he had a call corner blitz because when you got a call corner blitz, you see the safety rolling over the top to take away that guy. And usually, right, you got a flaring out linebacker. Yeah. You know, you, you want to give that guy cover. But the the thing that we kept saying and the thing that Grinch kept saying is it's simple. Well, because it's simple, there ain't gonna be a whole hell of a lot of calls. You know what I mean? You're gonna yeah. you're gonna be he in what you're gonna, gonna be make in. It even more simple now, so that'd be really oh, interesting. Good God, I don't know about that, man. I think I get that K State plays a different brand of football, or so people want to tell me. I just think they're well coached, and, and and their different brand of football is they they have a wrinkle, like they they just yeah. have a wrinkle. I think Matt Campbell is a good football coach, and wouldn't you think that if anybody knew anything about Alex Grinch and his defensive system, it'd be Matt Campbell. That, yeah, and that, that and what I think, and I think vice versa, and I think that's what's going to be the most. That's going to be this is going to be fun to watch. I was thinking about that the other day, because they've grown up around each other, right. they played together. I mean, they know each other. So this and they both be, play defense. That was the other yeah. thing. Like they're going to understand each other like better better than anybody. You would think so, but I would. This is the reason why I, I selfishly wanted Jason Candle to end up in this conference, but I wouldn't be mad if he ended up at Florida State. Matter of fact, let's talk about that for a second. Because coaching searches are fun, and I pissed off the yep. board by saying I want Alex Grinch to succeed. Whatever, um, I stand. Yeah, by they that. just don't want to see him gone. No, I was about I to say. I, I was yeah. about to say I stand by that because what happens with good coordinators? What do you want for them? They they leave. And, yes. But but I'm saying like Venables, right? Was is basically this our version of Kirby Smart because it felt like Kirby was just going to be Saban's defensive coordinator forever, and he's really mm-hmm. just waiting on Mark Rick to get fired. You know, and we thought that perhaps we thought Brent Venables might have been waiting on Bill Snyder to leave, and that ain't what it is. But I, I guess uh, the I reason we're bringing it up that one, but we won't get into that. The reason I, I wanted to to bring it up is because <laughs> Bob's name was was bandied about, and all of us that cover the sport for a living here, we're all going absolutely not, and we have our various stories. For saying why it was absolutely not. So I want to introducing the two way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two way for yourself at newbalance.com. Unpack that after the break. Give me a second. All right, B. Who's going to be the next head coach of Florida State and why ain't it going to be Bob Stoops? Well, for one, I, I mean, I basically so the day before everybody else was clamoring that he wasn't going to be there, I was on our board saying, "Look, it's not happening." I talked to people. He's still doing the XFL thing. He he basically um was down in Florida doing whatever. I, I was just told he was doing a speaking engagement. I had no idea what he was doing. Um, and I was just in our comments going about. And um, I didn't think it was that big of a story right? until I saw it blow up uh, 
when other people were tweeting that they spoke to Bob Steve. I was like, this is like, I don't, it was like a non-story to me, like that people were buying into it. Yep. Seemed just crazy to me. That was, I, so I called the XFL uh, coach on the Renegades and basically was told, nah, Bob called us and said, don't listen to anything. Business as normal, not interested. And I got that. So uh, it was just, and this was like at, I think 9.30 um, on Monday night. And I even told Knowles 247, I gave them all the information. They weren't, they didn't want to believe me. So, well, no, because I mean, I mean that, that that's the part where I got to interject here and say, Knowles Media was adamant of two things. One, that Bob was on campus, which was a bold-faced yeah. lie. And two, that a deal was a deal was near and was going to be announced today, the day we're recording this broadcast, or tomorrow. And all of us that know something about this, and but I bought my parents' Renegade season tickets, right? So I am yeah. considered a Dallas Renegade season ticket holder. Because I mean, they're they're in my name and inside of so so forth, so on, tied to to my card. But like, I get I get to talk with whomever, and they sent me a flyer. It's like, here's where Bob is gonna be on Friday night. And I mean, it's it's public knowledge. He's gonna be at uh, Toby Keith's on Friday night and stay for the game and say hi to people in Oklahoma City. So if you can get down there, you should get down there, say hi to Bob. But they were like, Nah, man, we're we're cackling because the other part about this that was just ridiculous was we all were out there you're out there i'm out there other people that follow the sport uh that that report on the on ou that have known bob stoops and folks that are national reporters were all going not a chance in hell no and yet one particular news anchor in tallahassee was going i stick by my sources for like three days even today she's going no it's it's gonna happen and I'm going, I get it. She's still on it? Yeah, I get it. You, as a con man, they tell you the, the first rule is you die with the lie. You die with wow. the lie. And I get wanting to stick to your source. And also, you're probably just up your sources behind. Because now you own your source. You have to. But that was the part of this that got really so out into the weeds. It wasn't even that Bob Stoops was going to be the head coach. I mean... To his credit, athletic director at Florida State says, look, Bob's a candidate. And I, he said it in such a way that, hey, man, you're all candidates until we hire a guy. Yeah. <laughs> and that was that was the way that it was received. It's like, okay, cool. You, you, you don't want to make this person look any worse than she already looks. But you're going, yeah, sure, Bob, whatever. Fine. Jeez. <laughs> you know, it's one of those. And I was like, I fell out laughing because I saw his face. And his face was doing that thing where he's trying not to look embarrassed for someone. Yeah. So that, that was the part that I just kind of wanted to slide in there. So with the time we got left, who do you have as the next head coach for Florida State? Who would you want it to be? I'm not going to make you pick who it's going to be. Who would you want it to be? I mean, Mark Stoops, Brent okay. Venables. Um, no, just pick one. You only get one. Uh, Mark Stoops. Okay. Mark Stoops I think would be a really good fit. Right. He understands that the whole area. He's been there. And that, He's been there. You know, I mean, that's what they say about Taggart. Uh, and but Mark, yeah, but he's won. Taggart wasn't really a winner. Well, and that's the other thing is Mark is a great defensive guy, we think. I, don't, I hope he doesn't pick up whatever Mike's got. But he's been recruiting really well, too. And that's the other part. Yep. Re- recruiting to Kentucky is not easy. And to be competitive in the SEC East as Kentucky is not easy. And yet he's doing it, right? I don't, now, I feel kind of silly because I took the over on their win total, but I also thought that 
you know, Terry was going to be healthy for the whole year. So Yeah, he's healthy. They win more games. Yeah. So, anyway, I like the Mark Stoops pick. Uh, there are two dudes that I want to get looks, and I'm going to unpack this for just a second. Venables, obviously, if you get Venables versus Mark Stoops, you take Venables. Just period. You just do. Yeah. Right? But outside of Mark Stoops, I want to see Jason Candle get a hard look for this. That's a good one. Because I think that he has the integrity, the confidence, and the track record to pull it off. Right. And and all three of those guys, Grinch and Campbell and Candle, all, you know, cut from the Larry Karras cross, so they know what they're doing. But the guy to, to really go get, the guy to hire, and you could probably hire cheap, is Mike Norvell. I selfishly want Mike Norvell to have Arkansas. Yep. That's what I want. Cause that's I live I live two hours away and he grew up in central Arkansas and he went or not grew up, he went to school at Central Arkansas. And I want somebody with the same energy that was a white dude rocking cornrows. What year cornrows. did he go to school at Central Arkansas? Uh, 0405. Because, like, oh he came gosh. out with me. Okay. Like, we're, we're like, a couple of years apart. Uh, but he's all, he also was a grad assistant at TU when I was an, an undergrad there. So I, I just got to know him. Uh, but he's, he's a cool dude. He's an outstanding dude. And he knows how to recruit and win. So... I think that's the guy, and I think he's some fresh blood, and I think he kn- would know what to do with the recruiting base that is Florida. But, yeah, those are, those are the three guys that I want to go get, which means that they're probably going to go get, I don't know, friggin' Mike Riley, you know, out of the XFL. <laughs> go, yeah. Pepper I mean, Hamilton. I mean, they're not very good at um, – I mean, they're not very good at hiring ever since uh, Jimbo's left. They've been And Jimbo pushed Bobby out. People forget that. Yeah. You know, they didn't really hire him. They just, he gave him an ultimatum and then set the house on fire. So, like, this is true. they haven't really had to hire anybody since they hired Bobby Bowden. And when they did, they botched it with Willie. So, like, I don't trust them to get it right. And that's the worst part. Like, watch them go, uh, go and get, like, Dino Babers. You know? I, or I just... I shouldn't do that. that I like Dino. Uh, I, I I I like Dino. I should I should pump the brakes on that because he's a cool dude. But Florida State's a class program, or could or, or should be. You know, the same way that people think about Clemson is the way that they used to think about Florida State. You know what I mean? And I just I would like to see a do. Uh, plus, I lived in Panama City, Florida, for like three years, mm-hmm. so I got to be really close to Seminoles football there for a while. And I was still living in Panama City when Torrance Marshall came to get his boys Heisman back. And let me tell you. It was a different tenor in the state of Florida. Like, people were ready to string your man up by his thumbs. How dare he talk to Winky that way? And then it's like, yeah, man, 13 oh to gosh. 2. So, 13 to 2. What, do you, what you got? <laughs> dude, so we went at, we went down to Destin, Florida uh, the year that that happened. My parents decided they were going to fly their uh, OU flags. Oh, Lord. In that summer, and they got chopped off <laughs> the night. <laughs> like, Florida State fans don't play. They, they don't, don't play. They're they they're rabbit they like you take, read about. They didn't take kindly to my mom's uh, flying her uh, OU flags. Lunatics. Lunatics. And the fact that, you know, like, I grew up with, around Rutherford High School, which was pretty good at, at one point in time. But, you know, like, people think that they know from lunatics when it comes to college football. And I think LSU's got its fair share. We know that. Texas claims to have lunatics, but they ain't got no lunatics. They just got a bunch of wealthy people that think they know something. Aggies fans just cry about it on Twitter and message boards. But when it comes to people that are actually going to show up to your house and, like, like you have that experience of cutting stuff off and, like, 
showing up in front of you talking about taking off your clothes. It's really just Bama, LSU, Florida State, maybe Wisconsin, depending on where you are in, in, in like if you're in Milwaukee, people are going to do that to you. But outside of that, man, I think I don't want no problems with Florida State. I, and I want it to be good because I want the lunatics to calm down, even more so than Miami. Like, I give a damn if Miami's good because they got, like, three fans. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but they just – the private schools got a hard time, dog. They got a hard time. They don't really have alumni yeah. like that. So, no, they do. Um, did you have a recruiting update before we got to let you go and do your show? I mean, yes. Okay. Um. I mean, should I? <laughs> I? I no, but you should you should tell people to to subscribe. You should probably subscribe okay. because I'm going to drop something that's pretty cool on OUinsider.com later today, um, tonight, or tomorrow morning. Uh, a hint of some good news, and I'll leave it at that. That's a good place to leave it. Uh, do you want to do the subscribe plug about the CBS yeah, All Access? Yeah, go ahead. You get, you get CBS VIP All Access as well. So that means you get every show. If you're if you've cut the cord, and you want to be able to watch the SEC games, you want to be able to watch your, I don't know, Big Bang or Star Trek or whatever you watch on CBS. CRJ on Time to Shine. Uh, yes, all that stuff. <laughs> uh, you get it for free if you're an OU Insider VIP member. So you get double the benefits. No, it's it's a really cool thing. Uh, CBS All Access means that you would have it during March Madness too. When some of those games are difficult Correct, to find, yes. uh, everything that they have available, you would have it. So CBS Sports Network, CBS Sports HQ, where you get to follow some of the luminaries of CBS Sports, like Barton Simmons, like uh, Barrett Sally, like Tom Fornelli, like Chip Patterson, guys that you probably know about. And, you know, of course, anything else that we can provide for you, we will. All right, B, uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Go have a good show, bro, and get well. All right, man. See you. See you.